Welcome to The Messy Studio with Rebecca Kroll, the podcast at the intersection of art, travel, entrepreneurship, philosophy, and life in general. I am Ross Tickner, Rebecca's producer, digital media guru, and her son. This week, Rebecca talks with Stephanie Dalton, an Atlanta, Georgia artist who shares her experiences of grief and loss following the death of her husband, Robert Cowan, last May, including how this has affected her creative process. We really appreciate Stephanie's openness in discussing this difficult topic, which she offered to do in hopes that it will help others who have suffered a similar loss. March 3rd marks Rob's 53rd birthday and their 26th wedding anniversary. Stephanie asked that we broadcast her interview on this day as a way to honor her late husband. Without further ado, here's Rebecca Kroll. Hello and welcome to the Messy Studio Atlanta edition. I'm here in Atlanta, Georgia with the artist Stephanie Dalton. And I've known Stephanie for a couple of years. Uh, The last time I was down in Atlanta, I stayed with her and her husband, Rob. And uh, she was at the time working on the book cover for our book, our cold wax book. So uh, Stephanie is uh, has been a painter for about 20 years, a professional artist and also illustrator and kind of a specialty in book covers. Um, so uh, Stephanie, uh, welcome. Thank you. Welcome Rebecca. to the messy studio. And we we have uh, a topic that we want to address today that is we feel is important. And this is about um how does how is loss how does loss affect your creative life and the reason that stephanie is here to talk about this is that um very tragically rob died uh, about 8 months ago and um so we've been talking about how this pro- how she's been working through this process of grief and how it's affected her work and her process and so um Stephanie, maybe you could tell us a little bit about about your marriage and just kind of let us know Rob a little bit before we start on the other topics. Okay. Um, right. Well, Robert and I met about 26 years ago. We've been married for 25 years. We were married by Howard Finster <laughs> really? on, on Rob's birthday, which was really an interesting and exciting way to get hitched. We went up to uh, Paradise Gardens, which is in Summerfield, Georgia, and Howard Finster met us outside his work studio in a royal blue tuxedo. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> He's quite the character. If anyone doesn't know who Howard Finster is, look him up. He's a very interesting folk artist from this area. Yes, he Quite is. well known, really. Yes. Yeah, yeah. He did the R.E.M. and Talking Head covers. In, right, um, yeah, some of you may 80s. know those. And uh, he actually, we actually had to finagle getting married on Rob's birthday, which fell on a Wednesday, because he only marries people on Sundays. And we said, well, we really need it to be Wednesday. And um, he said, well, I don't do that. And I said, can we pay you? And he said, not really. I don't accept money. And I said, but you would accept art supplies, won't you? <laughs> and he agreed to that. So we stopped on the stopped on the way up to get married and picked up $50 worth of art supplies and colored markers and paint oh. markers for Howard, which he just thought was a thrill. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's perfect. And so our gift was the art supplies, and he gifted us with a rather lovely custom piece of art for Rob and I entitled The Big Wedding. So that's how we began, and that was a pretty fun beginning because I remember driving up there, and 
I'd been there before, but Robert had not. And when we got there, he said, what is this place? <laughs> because Howard Fister just decorates everything, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's everything. There's like writes all over stuff. And, yeah, yeah, there's like 46,000 pieces of, you know, sculpture in the garden, old bicycles, and it looks like a temple. And it, it's it's crazy mishmash. And anyway, Robert said, what is this place? And I said, this is the place. <laughs> he was like, oh, cool. This is great. So yeah. And that, that says so much about just who he was and your relationship yeah, and appreciation of, of yeah. creativity and spontaneity and all those wonderful things. Um, and you, you were an artist at the time, right? right. He was, he's Absolutely. always been, he was always very supportive of, correct, of you and he knew what coming in what he was getting into. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, and, and he was in the healing arts. So he, he was interested in what I was doing because he was working with the body and, and mm -hmm. uh, personal training and massage therapy and therapeutic massage for athletes. So it kind of goes hand in hand. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. you know, and I'm I'm so glad that that we met him. Um, and my memory of him was coming down here to Atlanta. I had driven down by myself from Wisconsin, and I was just you know a really tired and been several days on the road. And he was so kind and gave me a massage and and gave me some exercises to loosen up my shoulders and whatnot. And he was just so concerned about how I was doing. You know, and he was just super super nice guy. Um, yeah. Very warm, very nurturing was my impression of him. And so, and he, I, it sounds like he was always just so supportive of your process and helped you out with, um, things around the studio and making panels and things like that. Absolutely. He, he, he was a natural nurturer, so to speak. Uh, he, he worked for many years, but as his epilepsy, um, got worse over the years, he, worked in the home with me more. And that's when he began to do framing and building panels and uh, pretty much doing anything that I need in the studio that will help me from cleaning up the studio, which is a wonderful treat. <laughs> I was a little jealous of that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but if I got stuck, he'd say, let's clean up the studio. So he was very supportive. And, and for a while between 2005 and 2008, we had a gallery downtown Atlanta, which was just something that we decided we really wanted to do because we had participated in some uh, city art shows mm -hmm. where he had framed up some panels and miniature canvases that I did. And we had a really great time working with the public. So we thought, let's try this. Yeah. And we did. And we had that that gallery for three years and it was it was lovely it was a lot of fun and rob really rose to the the title of gallery director very well he found out he was very good at selling art he was very committed to that mm -hmm. and it was probably one of the hardest things we've done but one of the most fun things we've done too <laughs> so it's easier than you think and yes <laughs> harder than you think but it was it was enjoyable yeah well, it's, it's, was, he was obviously a very, very supportive spouse and interested in the same things and, Absolutely. and all that stuff. And so, so this very tragic and horrible day was last May, right? When, Correct. Mother's Day, unfortunately. Yeah, and, and then, um, and it was a, a very unexpected situation. Yes. 
Um, we had grown to understand that there were unexpected accidents in our home because, as I mentioned earlier, Rob suffered from epilepsy or seizure disorder. And um, we had this lovely little conversation that morning. It was Mother's Day talking about what we were going to do. I was sore from the day before. And uh, he said, I know what I'll do. I'll give you a Mother's Day massage. And I was like, well, that's fine with me. (laughs) I'm game with that. We chatted a bit more, and then um, he said, okay, honey, I'm going to go grab a bite. I'll see you at breakfast. And I said, terrific. And it wasn't, uh, I mean, it wasn't even 30 seconds later. I heard the dogs barking, and I heard some noise, and I went down the hallway, and I found Rob, who had fallen down the stairs and unconscious, um, and that was it. He he never woke up. So that, that is a horrible picture to it is. Have it's so be- sudden and shocking. Exactly. Yeah. And that's sort of out of order. He, he never woke up. He lasted another four or five hours, but it was only because he had breathing support. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the thing with an unexpected death like that, it's often referred to in the grief world as an out of order death. Mm-hmm. And those early days of grief are spent in so much shock and disbelief. You just, you, you, you can't imagine a thing like this happening. And, um, you know, uh, as far as art goes, that's the last thing on your mind, but you're just dealing with what has been presented to you. And, and and it takes just totally throws you. Into another world, into kind of a surreal space, I would think. I think that's exactly right to say it's a surreal space. You're, you're definitely living in an alternate world, definitely. And, uh, I mean, even those early days of loss, uh, Lynn, Rob's mother, mentioned something about how she coped with Rob's stepfather passing away 10 years earlier. And she said she felt like she was feral. That she just wanted feral. to lay in feral, like a feral animal. Oh, yeah. And she just wanted to lay in bed and, and you know, watch television or, or eat cookies or whatever it is that comforted she, her. Yeah, just kind of a, well, just a... Nest a little bit, I think. Yeah. I just, I mean, I guess it's cocoon. just important to to just connect with whatever you're feeling and go with it as much as you can. Yeah. But... uh it's almost like you're recuperating from some tremendous illness. I, I thought about this when we mentioned talking about this subject, and it's like you're in such a space of confusion, and it's so overwhelming and impossible to focus. You have to take some time to get your bearings, but as that process continues, you have to relearn everything as if you had a stroke or something. Really? I, I, I feel that's true because there's so many simple things that I couldn't even wrap my head so around. So in terms of art, that would be... Overwhelming. Yeah. Overwhelming. Yeah. 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 Um, um, and I know that for a while you you didn't. Right. You didn't try. I mean, you had so many things to deal with and Absolutely. you were so overwhelmed. Um, so how long did... How long did it take before you felt some urge to reconnect with your work or your creative life? Well, you know, um, I think I started thinking in segments instinctively. This happened in the middle of May, and I thought, I just need to get through the summer. Uh huh. And, 
you know, even though I went in and out of the studio, I didn't feel compelled to do much. Plus, the studio was kind of a mess because I was in the middle of a project, and I just didn't want to go in there. You yeah. know, it was too close to where the accident happened, and I just, I, I don't know what it was, but I was afraid to go in there. I think because we spent so much time together in there, it seemed too painful. Too, it's too like, many, uh, too much emotional too connection. Much, yes. And, yeah, yeah. Too much yeah. memory. And generally speaking, I would say art is my refuge. You know, doing something like yeah. that, if I'm upset or, you know, I've had a fight with someone or, or, or whatever, you know, just mm-hmm. it, depressed, I can usually dive into my work and find some release there. But in this case of losing your spouse... It was a different feeling for me. It was a different emotion entirely. So I'd say, you know, maybe about three or four months in, I, as I kept walking in and out of there, I decided I need to do little things that I can get my arms around. I don't have to paint. Mm-hmm. I can clean my studio. I can organize my studio. I can take down these paintings that I was working on that reminded me too much of that time when this accident happened. And so that's sort of the process. It was a little incremental in that way. Mm-hmm. I figured just moving around the studio was healthy. Ease yourself into it. Yeah. 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 And yeah. I, I really noticed it got better when I took down the work that I was painting while he uh, was around and we had been discussing and just kind of put up some blank canvases mm-hmm. and, and started walking through it that way. And again, you know, sort of recovering my tables, straightening out my supplies. Yeah. Well, I know you describe the kind of the inside feeling as a void and that when you're, you know, in your normal flow of creativity, you're always kind of pulling something that maybe there's some little idea that's been in your mind and, okay, now it's time to develop that or, you know, there's this, there's this creative flow and you're in the middle of that flow. And so in normal situations, you wouldn't necessarily have those block times but when all that stuff has been stopped by tragedy then what are you pulling from you know there's this emptiness that's exactly right it's it's as if the curtain went down and you can't remember it goes back to that trying to relearn things you can't remember what you were even interested in um so just that connection with who you were before, because everything right. has changed. Exactly. I mean, I'm only imagining this because I have not been through this. But I think I, all I can do is think of some enormous life change and how you wouldn't be the same person. You, you're you now in an, a totally new world. And so whatever was going on creatively has to change. Right. And then how do you how do you go forward um do you do you start in a simple way do you start just with some basics or do you try to i don't know wait for some new idea or or how has it gone for you well you know i think it's going to be different for everybody i i i've talked to a few people who have lost someone and how they approach their studio practice and some people like to approach their practice by doing little um collages or scribbles or doodles other mm-hmm. people have told Something me simple just yes. to get the hand moving and I've ideas had, flowing exactly yeah. uh, uh, uh my sister's an expressive artist professor mentioned just going in there and 
painting my emotions. And I thought, there's no way I can do that. You know, I, I don't want to paint an angst painting and, you know, just be throwing black paint around. That'll depress me even more. Yeah, but yeah. For me, well, that's a good point. I mean, if yeah. you're doing things that only frustrate or depress you, it's not going to help. Right. You know, you have to find something that actually makes you feel kind of good yeah, <laughs> in some I, way. I think that goes with the process of adjusting your heart and soul and your mind to the fact that you've had this loss. For me, it has to be very incremental. So my bridge was writing. I found myself writing a lot. Mm-hmm. And that was helping me process my emotions and get me back to me. So kind of freeform writing, creative yes. writing. Yes. I even spent some time sharing some writings with another artist who had lost her mother. And um, that was very helpful because as I wrote, I found some inspiration in there for my work. And I also remembered what was important to me because it, it is, I, I think grief is like a veil of amnesia. You just, you forget what you were doing. Hmm. You know you're still an artist, but for me, it almost felt like some of the works I had produced before were, I, I don't know, sort of esoteric, even though they weren't. I know they weren't because I don't work that way. It just felt numb to me. So I needed to find a space where I could enter. And that was one rainy night, it was very peaceful and warm. And it was later in the fall. And I opened up my studio door and I looked at a painting that I had done a few years back when I lost my aunt, who is my mother's twin, and I thought, that was about death. That was about passing. And I've always wanted to rework that piece, so I thought, that's what I'm going to start on. Oh. Yeah. I provided that piece was an entry piece connecting right. with what you were feeling at the time. Exactly. And... um it's much easier to just dive into something that you're familiar with. And we're all familiar with overpainting our works. For right. sure. <laughs> and, and, and as well, the, the difficulty of starting with nothing. So right. That's, to, that's to a bit have daunting. This, yes. this uh, thing that you could grab onto and start to work on and change. And, and for the first time in a long time, I felt much better. I don't hmm. think I could have done that three weeks earlier or even, you know, two days earlier. You have to be so... I don't know, just conscious of where you're at mm-hmm. and not push yourself too hard one way or another. Mm-hmm. Lots of people have advice and you just have to go back to trusting what it is that yeah. feels right for you, you know? Yeah. There's only so much you can do. And I gave myself permission early on to just be okay with whatever I was. Well, that sounds like a, one of the smartest things you could do. I mean, you, I know people often say with, who are going through grief or people who respond to people who are grieving, there can be a sense of there's some sort of steps or process that you're supposed to go through. And if someone is outside of that, they can become a little impatient with somebody who's in the middle of it, right? Right, right. Because there's no way they can really know what you're feeling. And so to say to yourself, well, it's going to take what it takes, it seems like the survival for you, like that's the only thing you can really do. Right. Is take your time and be patient with yourself. And if you, if, you know, if other artists are listening to this and thinking either they've gone through something like this or all of us on some level fear it, if we have not, um, it's, uh, 
the idea that you just have to give yourself over to it is, is probably the wisest thing. And it, I, it sounds like it means going through the, the worst, the worst of the pit, you know, like, yeah, exactly. you can't, you can't avoid it either, can you? No. Especially even as- if you tried, you couldn't. I mean, I suppose if you did drugs or things like that, but the, the big problem with that is it, Grief is just such an overwhelming emotion. It's not just emotional, as uh-huh. most people who haven't been through that kind of loss would think. It's everything. It's physical. Hmm. A big part of the reason why I couldn't paint beyond just not wanting to deal with the emotion of loss and pain was that I just physically didn't have enough energy. Hmm. The amount of energy it takes to process a trauma like that I mean, I'm sure I had PTSD or PSTD. I'm not sure of the acronym, but you know what I mean. Yeah. And um, that alone, it's just you're coming off a shock. I spoke to a grief therapist, and she said, you don't really start to come down from that shock for the first four to six months. Uh-huh. It's that long. Well, yeah. So physical, emotional, emotional. obviously. Spiritual um, crises, I'd spiritual. say. Yeah, yeah. Even, as you mentioned, memory, amnesia. Oh, yes. Um, yes. And, yeah, it is like a, it's like an illness. Uh, it is. It and really is. you just is. have to, I don't know, that's a cliche, time will heal, but. But it's, it is the truth. I mean, it, it, it it's the most common cliche, but it's absolutely correct. Uh-huh. A friend of mine said to me, and I hope I get this right. She said, at first, when you lose someone dear to you, all you can think of is that loss uh-huh. and that pain and that sadness of that person being gone. But as you move through time and you move through processing it, you start to, all you can remember is the love. Yeah. And and you start to remember the happy moments. Well, I've had glimpses of that, and that helps. Mm-hmm. I think you have to get through the first year, really. Uh-huh. But I do feel sort of things coming together and feeling a little bit better now that I'm about eight and a half months out. Uh-huh. I think you just have to get through that first year and that first list of anniversaries. Anniversaries and, yeah. Birthdays and, I, and holidays. I know when we were talking about this before, you you also mentioned that, and it goes along with what you were saying about um, as you move forward, you you remember the better things, remember right. the love and all that. and And you said... Rob's uh, voice is starting to come back to you a little yeah, bit, like things yeah. he would tell you and say, oh, yeah, he would say that. Right. And at first, all you can think of is the loss, I guess. And, right. you know, I went through when my mother was dying and she was very uh, sick at the end and all that. And it seemed like for a long time, all I could remember were were the difficult times of her illness and and all the stress and strain. And this was, you know, a long, drawn-out process. And then gradually over time, and now it's been a number of years, now I remember the good times. I remember her when she was younger and healthier and all those things. Her whole self has come back to me in a way that I could not connect with for quite a long time. And it sounds a little similar to what you're saying, that that whole relationship is starting to come back and and feel present again in some way. But it's always coupled with the loss. And so that's got to be so hard. Right. I had this aha moment and I thought, God, it's like something dark has taken residence in me. I just can't stop crying. I can't stop feeling this loss. I can't stop. Just this is a horrible feeling. You wake up and 
the morning and you recognize it right away. You go to bed at night, uh-huh. wake up in the middle of the it's night and hanging you're, over you. It's you you cry. You're just like, where is this person? But then I realized, you know what? I think that is what time does for you. You you cry and you write and you walk in nature. You do whatever you can do. Those are the things that I those were my go-to modes. And then one day, hopefully, that will all get out of you. You will purge that sadness and that darkness, and mm-hmm. you will find that all of that pain can walk next to you now, and you can companion it. Uh-huh. And it's when you can companion it, I think that the fruits of what you've learned over the, whatever it takes, a year, two years, um, that starts to support you in a way that allows you to move forward again and, uh-huh. and you know, walk into your studio and be able to produce something. Absolutely, things are going to change. And I think part of it is, um, you know, going that full circle through it. I refuse to take any antidepressants or things like that. A lot of people suggested getting through the hard part with that. But I felt like I wanted to walk through the fire. I want to feel those emotions. I'm an artist. That's Yeah, we were kind of touching on that before. It's it's, you have to go as an artist... if you're not in touch with that central part of you, right? It's gonna, it's you just won't put up with it. I mean, as no. an artist, you just won't put up with it. So you have to go through this really awful stuff. And there are a lot of people, I think, that deal with grief by numbing it or by avoiding it. But I think as an artist, you don't really have that choice, right? I mean, if if your work is going to be authentic and be about your whole self, you really have to look at that. I. I couldn't agree more. And that was my whole reason. I thought, well, if I'm going to produce anything of merit after this, I owe it to myself and to Robert and to uh, just mostly to myself about what I want to produce has to be authentic. I don't want to have blank spots where something happened to me because maybe I don't understand it now. Maybe I won't understand it for a few years, but Mm -hmm. it'll come. And it'll, it'll be profound when it does because you, you don't really get over a death. You don't, there isn't a happy ending there. It's, it's something you have to learn to integrate in your life. And I keep using the word companion because I think that's, that's a nice way of looking at it. And I think, you know, some of that's coming outside of me now and I'm learning to companion my. That's so, that's a really interesting, um, kind of image of, just kind of being with the grief as yeah. as a companion. And then sometimes our companions are difficult and sometimes our companions are supportive. And, you know, it's just right, like, but you right. it's the give and take and the acceptance of your companion as who they are. And, um, and have that to be grief is, is a very, I mean, I think that's already a very profound thought that who knows could come through in your work in some way. I mean, and the the more this kind of really introspective uh, writing or talking or thinking about it, it seems very supportive of the creative process, whether that's actually happening right now or not. But it will happen. Um, I see glimpses of it. Yeah, glimpses. And I I feel the possibility. I'll have a 
a day where I move through. I, I mean, I'm always creating. It isn't as though I was not creating during that time. I was working on my illustrations, and that was very healing to me, but there was a comfort level there because I do it all day long, and I've been doing it for 20 uh-huh. years. Uh-huh. That's kind of your day job, really. That's my day job, <laughs> and I think of that. I, I'm working for someone else. It's a problem-solving, creative endeavor, whereas when I walk into the painting studio, that's my personal life. That's my... That's my story. And that has to be right. I think part of my struggles did have to do with I was being a little bit of a perfectionist in the studio and thinking I needed to go in there and paint something profound. And because I had had that experience before, um, I don't know how much time we have left, but, um, I, I, I've had losses and, um, I've been able to paint some of that pain out of me. Mm -hmm. This time, I don't think that's possible. I think it needs to be more organic and and, um, calming and step-by-step. That's the way I work best. Well, and, you know, as as you go through this, it's... It's a step in, in our lives as maturing people. Right. And I think knowing, knowing yourself and knowing what feels right to you is, is an aspect of that growth that, you know, anything that happens to us can lead to inner growth. Right. And it sounds like it's a very hard process, but I'd say it, grief, losing a spouse is probably one of life's biggest challenges. <sighs> Yeah, it sounds especially when immense. you've been with someone for a quarter of a century, you know. Yeah, and it's something that's just thrust on you. You weren't looking for it, right? And you never saw it coming, and um, it's yeah, it's it's. I don't know. I don't have words. I'm sure people say that to you all the time. Like I don't have words. They do for you, and it's true. It's very hard to express it is. when you haven't been through is. it. Um, so yeah, we are we are kind of coming to the end. Um, of our time, but if there's anything you want to kind of say that you think might be helpful to people that are facing this, I'm sure there are people listening who who are facing it or will face it. Um, if there's anything you can say in support of the process uh, that we haven't touched on yet, or just to wrap it up. Well, that's a loaded question. I could take another half hour just to speak to you about that. Yeah. Um, I guess what I would say is, and it's going to be a little bit simplified because we don't have much time. My advice to others in this position is just trust your gut and do whatever feels right. Everyone's going to have advice for you. Do this, do that. Mm -hmm. And you're going to feel really confused and lost. But just take your time in processing what it is you need to do. If you need to be out in nature and walk or garden, do that. Mm-hmm. If you need to write or journal, do that. If mm-hmm. you need to go to a grief counselor or grief group, do that. And if that doesn't work, do something else. Mm-hmm. Um, I it don't, sounds like it takes a lot of patience and just knowing it takes, it's going to take. When you yeah. said it's going to take you know eight months or something, I don't suppose you ever imagined that in the beginning that it would take so long. So it's just that patience of, you know, this could take a year, it could take two years. I mean, a lot of people more. I've spoken to have said they're just starting to feel better at the three year point. Three years. And, and my instinct is like, well, I, I don't want to take that long. But the truth of the matter is, is 
I'll take whatever it takes. Yeah. You know, I'll do whatever it takes. I am not going to cheat it. I'm not going to numb it. I am going to walk through it. And in the long run, it will come back around to me. I know this. I might not have said that three or four months ago because there are points when you just think, I don't even know if I want to be here. I really don't. And yeah. that's not an uncommon statement for I've people in grief. That, yeah. But, I mean, you do get to a place where you're starting to walk in this world again and go, okay, I think I can do this. And I think I'm in a pretty good place right now. I'm far from finished with my process, but I'm through some of the rougher patches that have blocked me from doing my everyday things that I love. Well, I think I would hope that this conversation is hopeful for for everyone to to see that it you know it's a process you face it with courage and you go through it and you you can come out on the other side with uh, many things intact from in terms of your your feelings your memories your ideas and yourself you come back to that um over time and you know, I I think I really appreciate you talking so openly and honestly about this, Stephanie. It's just, I really feel this has been uh, an important conversation. So um, thank you so much for, for joining me in this Rebecca, conversation. Rebecca, it's been my pleasure. I don't know that I could speak to just anyone about this. You make me feel very comfortable. And you knew Rob, so it's been great to be able to share a little bit of what has transpired since the last time we were together. And I thank you for that. All right. Well, thank you. And thanks, everybody, for listening. Bye-bye. Well, that about wraps up this episode of The Messy Studio. You can find The Messy Studio on Facebook, as well as public profiles for both Rebecca Kroll and myself, Ross Tickner. Please make sure to check out squeegeepress.com, as well as www.rebeccacroll.com. And sign up for the email list to stay up to date on events, book signings, and openings. Please subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, or Stitcher, and leave us a rating and a review. Remember to share the show with friends and family and anyone who you think will enjoy it. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week with more art and entertainment. In the meantime, embrace your creative space, messy or otherwise. Thanks, everybody.